back. I, I, I actually, I could have gone with it's time. <laughs> But we are back for the 2022-2023 college football season. First episode, uh, our pre-preseason. We got a little something special for our, our first one this year. Yeah, it's uh, it's the best time of the year. You know, excited, ready to get the football season started. But uh, first, something big. We, we have done our first joint episode here. We will be uh, bringing to you the Sons of UCF at Sons of UCF with our, our first kind of collaborative joint effort that we've ever done. Justin and I have done it from different sites before, never brought in anyone from the outside. So it was definitely a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoy it as, as much as we did uh, kind of going through and, and getting this set up and put together. Yeah, yeah, we've been uh, big fans of their show. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a great opportunity to get to uh, talk to them. And it was a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy. And we'll get right into it. So here we present Dudes on the Mall and Sons of UCF. All right, so we are back here for Dudes on the Mall. We're here today with Adam, Mike, and Trace from the Sons of UCF podcast at Sons of UCF on Twitter. You can also catch their live show on Thursdays, streaming from 8 to 9 on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out their website at twonightsmedia.com. That's the number, twonightsmedia.com. Um, Adam and Mike are the founders, and Trace has just joined them recently. So um, we're excited to have you guys on. How are you guys doing this evening? I crashed the party. It was their show. Yeah, who, who let him in here? Who who left the door open? Mike, was that you? No, it wasn't me. I would have kicked him out a long time ago. <laughs> well, yeah, How's it going, dudes? Yeah, great to have you guys on. I know, uh, I know, Mike, you've uh, apparently been a little bit of a fan of us for some time now. Heard a couple of references here and there, but... <laughs> I'm your number one fan. I've been listening since the first show. So I like what you guys are doing. We appreciate it. So it was kind of ironic when when Justin reached out. Um, he he sent, I believe, a DM to Trace on on Monday, um, and he, we hadn't heard the show from the day before, and had a little bit of a reference in there. So it was, it was kind of funny when we we heard that. I was like, oh, perfect timing. But um, <laughs> say so we we uh, unlike you guys, kind of take a little bit of time off during the off season. Um, love listening to guys' show, but uh, this is kind of our preseason special. So. Um, just kind of want to dive right into it, get an outside perspective out of what we would normally provide um, and just kind of go with you guys first. But starting just with this upcoming year, um, who are you guys looking forward to the most out of the schedule? If you could just pin one game, what's that game? I'll lead off. I'll, I'll go Louisville, right? Because I, I think Louisville was that game last year where the entire season sort of turned, uh, you know, obviously the Dylan Gabriel injury. Uh, a shoulder pad bounced ball changes the trajectory of the season. So many, uh, so many players went down. Uh, we've talked to a bunch of the guys who were in that game, talked about Louisville, maybe, you know, hitting a little bit lower in the knee area, the turf being kind of bad. So I think that was a game last year. We were in that game pretty quickly and uh, things got apart. So for me, Louisville, I want that revenge factor. They're coming to the bounce house. Now they got to play in real grass. And uh, I think we get a bit of revenge. So I'm going to go Louisville as the one I'm circling the most. Cool. You know, call me a sucker. I don't know, but the cow game, it's the final game of the year, the final <laughs> game of the series. Um, Adam and I, we go way back from the beginning before we used to even play the cows and trace too. Uh, there was a time when the cows weren't even a rivalry, but then it has become one. We played each other 13 times. Now there's no scheduled game in the future. 
And I still feel like we owe them a couple beatings. I still feel like we have to get back for that 64-12 game. And we, and we cannot lose this game to them. If we lose this and, and end this series equal, that's a big-time loss. And that's a hot seat game for Gus Malzahn in my book if we lose to the Cows. <laughs> <laughs> How do you hot feel seat, about that, uh, that potentially not playing uh, the Cows anymore in the future? How do you feel about that, Mike? Yeah, I'm okay with it, especially if we win this one and we're on top in the series. You know, we can leave them behind. We, we've had plenty of rivalries that have just gone away in the past. We were rivals with the Boone Cookman for a while, and we didn't play them. Now we play them every once in a while. That, that could be the case with the Cows in the future. That's fine with me. But if we want to keep the thing going and keep playing them every year, I'm fine with that too. Fair enough. So what do you got, Trace? Uh, I like both of those choices, but I'm going to go off the board a little bit. SMU. Uh, just because of how important it will be for conference play. Uh, and the Knights got thrashed in Dallas last year by SMU. The beauty of this schedule, not only are there seven home games, nine in the state of Florida, so uh, away games at home in Boca and Tampa, but all four teams UCF lost to last season, they face at home. So I, I, I think Cincinnati be a little bit down, and, you know, Navy's in there, but it's SMU uh, that I think could still be a problem in the American. And, and you certainly don't want to rack up a, a loss or two in league play and hope to be in that AAC championship game. So I'd circle SMU as a, a tough one to get by. Louisville, you can lose and it not derail your AAC hopes. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think um, personally, my sleeper every year is always East Carolina. Um, I didn't realize until I actually saw it today, all-time series is tied. So kind of rubber match this year moving forward too. Um, but Every year, they just seem to give us problems. I know we've had a couple blowouts both ways, um, but I don't know. There's just something about ECU. Thank goodness we don't play Tulsa this year, but um, that's, that's my one I have circled. Well, you say don't play Tulsa, but if they win the West and UCF wins, I guess there's not an East and a West, but a top two, uh, they could face one another. I mean, I'd be I'd be lying if I didn't agree with uh, Adam and say that Louisville wasn't my number one game. Brandon and I had the, uh, I guess, unfortunate pleasure of attending the Louisville game in Louisville yeah. last year, and so uh, I've had that one circled since uh, since September, October. It was it was a good game, and until it wasn't. <laughs> it was a great game wasn't. until the very end. <laughs> Uh, the last Bench. 30 seconds was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, lots of uh, roller coaster of emotions and had that game circled for a while now. So, now I'm, I'm not normally a predictions person, but it's the beginning of the year and everyone just throws out their wild stuff. Just quickly, what is a good season for us this year? What do you think, record wise? I mean, undefeated, right? Is obviously a good season. I think there there's. There's always a loss in the schedule. I, and to your point, I can't tell you which one it is. Um, you know, and there's a lot of factors that go into losses. Who would have all thought we would have lost the Navy game last year, right? Yet a confluence of things take place. All of a sudden, here we are losing a game. So there's always a loss hidden somewhere in the schedule. The great teams overcome those losses. I don't know if we know that UCF's a great team right now. I think they're a good team. They're trending to be a really good team. But, you know, with the offense still trying to figure out who QB1 is, some other factors there, there's probably a loss somewhere on this schedule. And it's usually the game we don't expect, right? It's usually the game that we don't think about. You guys mentioned ECE. We have Memphis on the road. Uh, road games are always challenging, right? So there's probably a game on here where we struggle. And and how does this team overcome? There's, there's probably a loss in here someplace. I don't know what it is, but there's probably one on this schedule. To me, we got to get back to championship Saturday. I mean, we haven't played in a championship game since 2018. That means there are seniors on this team. If they've only been here four years, they have not played in a championship game. You can't say that about any class since 2001, 2002. All those kids have come up and at least played a championship game at some point. Um, So to me, 
for this season to be successful, we have to be playing in the championship game, which means we can lose one or two and still be okay. But if we're not playing on that day and Saturday, then I, I think this is a bad season for us. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting with the AAC Bowl tie-ins that uh, if you're not in that title game, what do you got? Boca Raton Bowl, uh, return trip to Tampa and the Gasparilla Bowl. Fortunately, the move to the Big 12 increases the the quality of the bowl opportunities for UCF, no matter where they might finish, right? Uh, it, the team had four losses last season, all on the road, suffered all of those injuries. So I can't imagine that they're an eight and four team. So, right, you go beyond that and I won't predict them to win at all. So, you know, nine to 11. And, and I think there's a loss or two in that schedule somewhere on the road, they'll stumble. And, and certainly with Louisville SMU, those are tough home games, even though they defend the bounce house very well, uh, season tickets close to being sold out and, you know, they're going to be rocking crowds, student section full, uh, still, they got to get through those games. And we don't know. There's still a lot of questions, right? As Adam said, uh, good team, maybe really good team, but, a lot of players we don't know yet and how they're going to perform when the lights are on. So uh, I kind of agree with Mike that they need to return to the AAC championship game, because if not anybody jazzed about a Boca Raton bowl. <laughs> so I was there for the, the BYU thrashing. So definitely don't want to go back. Again. That was not fun, um, but kind of transitions nicely um, over to what we're looking at this year, looking at, I mean, conference championship or bust really mentality. Um Starting just with the QB room, I mean, we could talk for hours just about this. Everyone's so torn on it. Um, but personally, I'm on the the JR the, the John Rice Pumley side, and Justin is a is a big Mikey fan. What division? There's division Uh-oh. in the fan the base. Dudes, the dudes have a division. Uh-oh. Yeah. Listen, I've been I've been on the Mikey train for a while now. I told Brandon at the end of the last season, and I said, give give the kid an off season. You know, he came in true freshman. Uh, some you know tough shoes to fill uh, after the Louisville game last year, and I told I say give him an off season. Even after watching the spring game, and I think we could all agree that JRP had a better game than the spring game. Um, I, I stuck on the Mikey train, and you know the past couple of weeks we've been hearing more and more talk about both of them. So it's still up in the air, I guess. I think the good news story here is I think we have two quarterbacks we can win with. Now they're you're you're going to play them differently. You're going to win differently with them depending on who it is. But I think you've got two quarterbacks that you can win with. Here's here's my hot take. I, I purported on the show last night. I think Gus wants to give this job to John Rice Pumley. I think he sees the athleticism he brings, sees the skill set he has, and envisions some of those those old Auburn days where he was running the ball a ton with quarterbacks, right? I think he's trying to do everything he can to give the the job to John Rice Pumley. I just don't think John Rice Pumley is taking it at this point, right? And I think Mikey has made that incremental improvement. He's he's a steady player. I think he's made some improvements. And I think that's where Gus is at. In my mind, you know, we had heard initially, hey, we'll have a starter pretty early in the in the in the you know in the in the camp here. Well, now we're here and maybe that comes later and later and later. I think the longer this holds out, the more that this is a John, uh, this is a Mikey Keene overtaking John Rice Palm. Like I firmly think Gus wanted JRP to be the guy, but I think either a, he's not grasping as quickly as he can or B Mikey Keene's making it really tough on him. So I think the longer this goes without a starter being named, I think you're in Mikey Keene territory, but I do think every coach has an ego, right? And as much as we all think that JRP can't throw every coach looks at him and goes, I can make him a thrower. I can make him work in my offense. I can make him productive. And I think that's what Gus is trying to do. And I think, 
you saw frustration at a Saturday press conference. I think that's frustration is like, man, none of these two really took the reins. I secretly think coaches don't root for, for players. Parents, we don't root for our favorite kid, but everybody has one. I think a favorite kid of, of Gus is JRP. I just think Mikey's making it tough on him. I'm team King Kong for now. I mean, <laughs> I, I just based on what he did last year, coming in as a true freshman, wasn't expecting to play at all, got thrown into the fire. Did a pretty decent job, right? And he, he limited the turnovers the second half of the season. I don't think he really threw many interceptions at all. He beat the Gators, and now you go from freshman to sophomore year. And I'm not saying he's going to do what Mackenzie Milton did, but we saw the leap that he made. Mackenzie Milton, his freshman year, was getting booed off the field at the Cure Bowl and then came back and had probably the greatest season I've ever seen at a quarterback at UCF. So not saying he's going to do that, but if you listen to this kid in the interviews, he's got poise. You know, he's calm. There's nothing not to like about Mikey Keene, but I, I'm for whoever wins the game. So if JRP comes in here and dominates and, and he's going to you know, throw run for 200 yards every game and, and we're winning, I guess it's fine with me too. But it's kind of like the Yankees with, when A-Rod came to town and you already had Jeter, you already have your guy that you've seen. I've seen Mikey Keene play. I rooted for him for a year already. I've never seen JRP play before. I've never seen him in a UCF jersey before. So it's kind of that, you know, little bit of a different element for me. So right now I'm team King Kong, unless JRP comes in and just dominates. Did we, did we just compare uh, Mikey Keene and John Rice Plumley to Derek Jeter and A-Rod? Never heard that. that that's the first. That's the first, Mike. I'll give it to you. I, was, I definitely haven't heard that one. But to that point, though, uh, with Mackenzie Milton, I've been saying for a while now, Mikey Keene had statistically a better year last year than Mackenzie did his freshman year. So yep. I've been saying that. So I agree with that wholeheartedly. And again, I don't think we'll see the same leap, but He's got the poise to do it. So, Trace, right. do I break the tie? Break I the don't tie. know. I support <laughs> Mike one hundred percent in whoever is named the starter to be behind that person and there not be division. And whenever that person throws an interception or or, or makes a mistake, that uh, you're not calling for the backup quarterback. I still find it hard to believe Gus Malzahn brought in John Rice Plumley when he did not to use him uh, or to trot him out three times a la Joey Gatewood. I just can't see that happening, but I agree with Adam. Uh, he wants him to win this job. Now, in defense of John Rice Plumley, quarterbacks have not been live, and I think you have to let John Rice Plumley be himself. And if he's not able to scramble around and, and do what he does, we're not getting to see the full him. So that's why I think Gus has hinted that maybe we'll see quarterbacks go live during Saturday scrimmage, be closed to the media and the public behind shareholders that will be in there. And, you know, some of them will leak something out. Uh, but we haven't gotten to see, other than that spring game, right? Mike, you say you haven't seen him in a jersey, but fans did get to see him uh, in the spring game and came away going, hmm, uh, this guy can throw the ball plus what he can do with his legs. So, you know, I keep hearing this word. The narrative has changed on Mikey Keene over the last week or so. He's, he's a game manager. Um, you know, that was that term being used prior to the spring game that Mikey was a game manager? I think it's, it's being talked of more now, but support 100% what Mike's saying. Whoever's name starter, they got to get that right, because if they don't, that will create some problems. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that completely. I know we're both on the same page, but I feel I mean, we've all seen the the JRP highlights against LSU when he ran for over 200 yards. And in, in my defensive of wanting him to be the starter, you can't simulate that in practice and you have to get out there and actually do it. So. To, to an extent, there has to be, I feel like, a little bit of imagination by the coaching staff, too. Like, oh, what if, he, what if he'd been tackled here? Would we let him go? What would happen? But, I mean, we're we're coming up on the opener, and we'll, 
I think I think we'll see both of them probably play a decent yeah. amount of split time. Yeah, like a little follow-up question, I guess. If Mikey does end up with the starting job, how do you think they use JRP? Because I'll be the first to say the way we used Joey Gatewood last season, I was not a fan of that. It cut up drives. It ruined momentum, in my opinion. And so everybody's been talking about using JRP in that kind of, you know, aspect of the game. But if any, like, I almost think it hurts our offense. Yeah, I would not be a fan of uh, uh, inner drive switching, right? I think that's that's a mistake. That's a momentum killer. Uh, gives defense time to you know to rest, potentially get subs in, yada yada yada. My hope is you see a drive, right? So Mike, maybe Mikey has the first four or five drives. JRP comes in, maybe short field change of pace to go kind of heavy run package things like that. My, that's my hope. On, on how they would use JRP uh, because I'm not a fan of, you know, second and seven, let's try to quarterback in here third and, and, and four. Let's try another one in here. I think that just breaks up too much momentum. My hope is that Gus does it more for our drive, a specialized package, maybe goal line situation, short yardage, something along those lines where you can leverage uh, his running ability at that point. But I, I don't, I don't need any more Gatewood uh, switches in my life. <laughs> yeah. Remember we were using that Gatewood package a lot when Bowser was out right now, if Bowser's healthy, do we really need to do that with a quarterback? I, I don't think we do. So <laughs> to me, I, I wouldn't, I don't like switching quarterbacks at all. If I, if it's up to me, you know? So uh, if, if you're going to use them, it could depend on the opponent. Maybe Gus sees something in film on an opponent that can't really defend against a running quarterback and use them that way. But otherwise I wouldn't go to a week. week. A point I'd like to bring up is that we talk about uh, Mackenzie Milton and, and the success he had and the way he threw the ball. How many times did he bail out the offensive line? What is the quality of the offensive line? And we haven't heard a lot about has Mikey Keene improved his ability to use his legs to get a first down. And, you know, Mike, to your point, we've got a pretty good uh, core there at, at the running game. But, uh, you know, what happens uh, when, a, when a play breaks down? Can Mikey get that first down? or move the chains, you know, with his, with his legs, we still don't really know that about him. And uh, it really hasn't been asked much. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. we're really focusing so much on throwing. We haven't been asking a lot about Mikey's running ability, What's the quality of that line. Who do you trust more to uh, create a play JRP or Mikey King? It's on the JRP side. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to go down the middle. I, I, I don't know. I know I'm the underdog. I wholeheartedly agree that Gus wants JRP, but what we, I mean, outside of quarterback, running backs are absolutely stacked. We we have a probably one of the deepest, if not the deepest, running back rooms in the nation right now. But outside of that, um, who is someone? And Justin, if you want to start with it, um, just a standout player that maybe people aren't talking about as much right now. You want me to start off? Yeah. Standout player that people aren't talking about as much. Um, you know, like. I, I don't know if people aren't talking about him enough, but I mean, the guy I'm looking at the most this year is Jeremiah Jean Baptiste, right? Like we've got questions about the, um, about the linebackers this year. And I know I watched, uh, he was just in the press conference and I'm sure you got a little taste of that trace, but um, seems like he's going to be the captain of the defense this year. Um, and I'm just looking to him for him to uh, step up and really, you know, guide the defense, make some big plays on the inside. And so. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go too. I'll go on offense. I think we've all fallen in love of late, uh, and rightfully so, by the way, with the videos we're seeing with Javon Baker, the receiver transfer from Alabama, 
We already know about Ryan O'Keefe, but in the spring game, guys, Kobe Hudson was really impressive in that spring game. He caught a lot of balls over the middle, uh, bigger receiver. I think he's getting a tad overshadowed in some respects, right? Because Javon Baker's kind of the new flashy, look what he can do. And obviously we know what Ryan O'Keefe can do. I think, you know, Kobe Hudson's going to be an interesting target, uh, I think, on the offensive side. Defense, I'm going to go way, way off the board here. Give me a little Keenan Hester uh, for my surprise player. I think we're talking a lot about linebackers. We understand that there's a, there's a, a need there. But I think to your point, you know, JJB is going to be the guy. We're going to hear his name called a lot. The second linebacker is going to be interesting. But I think if we can control the line up front, that makes things so much easier for the linebackers. Obviously, we lost Cam Good. We know that. Lee Hunter. You're not hearing his name as much. I, I want to. I don't want to use the word project, but it feels like he's still got a bit of a ways to go. I think Ricky Barber can be a beast on the inside if he can stay healthy. But that leaves the other D tackle, who's maybe got some free runs. Right? We saw Keenan Huster come on last year, played played pretty well in spots. I think if you've got you know you've got Ricky Barber taking up a couple of key blocks, if you have outside rushers and Salascar and TMB, if they can be healthy. I think you leave Keenan Hester kind of one-on-one with guys in the middle there. Uh, So I think he's going to prime himself to potentially be in the spots uh, to make some big plays. So I'll go off the board. I'll go Keenan Hester on defense. Awesome. Yo, give me Joshua Selleskar. This is a guy that came in his very first college game at Georgia Tech and was an impact right away. He was forcing fumbles. I think he recovered a fumble. He was making plays all over the place. He's a big kid. And this year, he's one of the captains of the team, which tells me that the coaches see something in him. His teammates believe in him. I think he's going to have a big year. We've talked about how good that secondary is going to be this year. And the secondary and defensive line go hand in hand. So if the secondary is covering everybody and you give Selleskar and Morris Brash that extra second to get to the quarterback, I think he could do some damage out there on the outside. And I'll, I'll say to also to Mike's point, um, and Trace has, has done a good job chronicling a lot of this in the press conference. Selleskar looks visibly larger than last year. You talk about strength and conditioning. He looked like he put on some some serious muscle when he was at the podium the other day. So I think he he looks like he's in good shape. He looks bigger. I don't know, Trace, if you agree with that, but he looked a lot bigger than I recall him looking at from, from previous times last year. Uh, and to Josh Salazar, he said he's looking for double-digit sacks, uh, mm-hmm. that he's hungry for that. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, we'll take that, it. We'll that take could it. be a good thing. If he's doing that, uh, that's a really good thing. Let me go with Quadric Bullard. I had an opportunity to speak with him on Media Day. Shameless plug. You can find those interviews hey. on the Sons of UCF <laughs> YouTube channel. Um, and uh, Quadric shared that he's picked up 30 pounds. He was in the 150s. He's in the 180s uh, during the Tuesday media availability. Uh, Travis Williams, defensive coordinator, said now he's got to figure out how to work with that weight. I mean, 30 pounds. I mean, you know, for someone like Adam, picking up 30 pounds in a couple of months. No, I'm just just kidding. I'm just kidding, Adam. A lot of weight Um, loss. But Quadric Buller had a good year last year. And uh, if you listen to him in that interview, he just talked about his physicality. And now what can he do with a little more weight? Uh, So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do. And let me just throw out a name to you. Had opportunity to uh, speak with Herb Hand and off mic, he was saying, watch out for Paul Rubel, uh, the German prospect, that he's really improved a lot. So <laughs> be interesting to see how he might mix into that uh, depth uh, as well. Ryan Swoboda, the two twins, six ten guys. Uh, interesting to see how they work into the offensive line rotation. Say so both of mine, well, offensively, we've already kind of mentioned it, um, but Javon Baker was be my, my sleeper. I just think, I, I can see him taking up our number two spot opposite O'Keefe, but Hudson is right there with them. So um, I just like the size that he brings and we, we need someone with good hands. And I mean, we're not out of practice. We can, we only see the videos that they put out there and he only had like seven catches last year. 
but um, I like what I've, I've seen and heard from him. And you the, mean you haven't learned anything from the 32 seconds that UCF released uh, <laughs> during the promotional video? I, I think or the, my 10 second clips <laughs> at Signpez, shameless self plug. It, uh, wow. You haven't learned that everything? <laughs> it's, it's, the, uh, it's the text to the group chat of like, okay, guys, time to overanalyze. What do we think yeah. of this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then on the defensive side, I'm a big Hodges fan. I think everyone, oh, everyone yeah. talks mm-hmm. about. Wilson. Um, and I just, last year he started to come into his own. He's me junior this year. Now it got a little bit more playing, um, playing time under his belt. So I think he's someone to watch in the secondary, not on any watch list right now, but come the end of the year should, should definitely make a name for himself in the conference. Um, but going with, with, uh, with the theme of players, I know some people on here aren't as too high on recruiting signings and stars. Um, <laughs> Mike, Mike. <laughs> a couple times. but, uh, but just, just wanted to touch on overall the impact that y'all are seeing, um, with what you think could change, kind of take UCF from, from where we're at now over to the next level. I know that these kids haven't played yet and we're just looking at eight, 17, 18 year old kids in high school, but just the, the visibility that it brings to the program and kind of what, what it'll do kind of moving forward to the big 12. Yeah, I'll start there. We have no idea if these kids can play, right? Their tape looks really impressive. A lot of people who know football better than all of us do say these kids are really good. I have no reason to doubt that, right? But, you know, until you're on the field in helmets and shoulder pads, I I don't think we really know. So that's the one thing about this that's always tough is it's tough to celebrate something you're not really sure about. But I think your question is is larger picture, right? You know, Gus talked about creating that state of Orlando, getting kids to stay home, getting kids to be hometown heroes. You've got two kids that that have kind of committed, even the Harris twins are, are another uh, another two kids from the local area uh, that are staying home and are starting to build that momentum. And that's what I've always talked about. Like, I think for us as a program, you know, we're going to go up against the Floridas, the Miamis and battle for some kids. We're not going to win all of those, right? A lot of factors for that NIL to, to be among them, but we've got to keep the kids home from Indiana and from Pittsburgh and from Syracuse and from North Carolina state from Michigan state where the Harris twins were, we're looking right. I think we can win those battles. We have a lot better success and I'll pause it. We're talking a lot about Walker and Marshall. I think that's great. But a name you're hearing a lot out of practice right now is Nakai Martinez, another local kid. I think when you see local kids playing early at UCF, having success, you know, enjoying the spoils of being a part of a program like that on the cusp of the Big 12, I think that's going to turn some heads of some local kids. So as much as I'm excited about Walker and Marshall, and I think they're going to bring something to the team, I look at a guy like Nakai Martinez right now who is making plays, and you say to yourself, man, if I'm a senior in high school right now, I'm a junior in high school, I'm looking through offers, I'm seeing a hometown kid have all his friends and family play right in front of him, having success, winning games, going to the Big 12 it's tough to turn down. So I think that's the larger picture is we build that momentum and, and get kids to stay close to home. And all it takes is one or two and those dominoes start falling. Um, I, I think we saw, it was Derek Hallman on Twitter who said this upcoming class has the potential potential in quotes to be kind of like that first class for the university of Miami decades ago. Now, whether that holds true, we'll see, but I think the the concept is the same, the state of Orlando, keep the kids home, develop them, let them play, let them win. And all of a sudden you have yourself, hopefully a a good recruiting trail for a couple of decades to come. Justin and I are old enough to know that recruiting class, but we can look it up. So we're kind of (laughs) it's spoiler alert. A lot of them in the hall of fame. it's, it's It's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, I, I tried to temper my my enthusiasm, especially when you sign one individual kid. I, you don't even sign him. He commits to you. And, and everybody loses their mind on Twitter. Oh, my God, can you believe we got this guy? He's a four-star, this and that. And, you know, the guy could turn out to be a bust. But it has been proven if you sign a whole class of four-star guys with maybe a five-star guy mixed in, eventually that's going to 
turn into a better football team. So I, I just want to wait till they actually get on campus and I actually see them. Now that I've seen Nakai Martinez making plays, and from what we heard, he graded out as the best player on defense during the first scrimmage the other day. Now I'm getting excited about him. But when the kids come out with their re- and they release their statements and they put out, you know, uh, uh, this is my top three or this is my top five, or even when they say I'm committed, I still don't get too excited until I actually see them in pads in practice. They're intended, Mike. They're not yet committed. <laughs> They're intended. I think two things are happening. One, Gus is living up to what he said, that he was going to recruit uh, Florida very well uh, and Central Florida very well. And you're getting those guys intending to come and there's some big names and that's good. I think UCF's about to face something else though, that uh, to play big time ball against big names, the blue bloods of college football, there's an awful lot of NIL money sloshing around out there. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting which of these commits uh, they might lose or guys they might not get uh, to uh, to uh, say they're going to come here uh, because they're not offering up those big dollars. And uh, it's happening. Uh, you know, it, it's going on right now. And uh, UCF has to face that. And uh, you're just not going to out pay a kid uh, that an LSU or an SEC team is going to pay. So I think that's going to cut against UCF at some point. But for now, they're certainly in better position uh, recruiting to the Big 12 than they have been in the American. They just need to get the Lazy River built quicker. Maybe maybe be better uh, recruiting tool. Well, you guys right now, shareholders, uh, they're, they're, they'll sign you up. Uh, you just need five grand. I don't know where you stand on that, but that's, that's the uh, four years after graduation, and I might be there. <laughs> um, but kind of moving forward now outside of that into the Big 12 with all the conference realignment going on, um, I know we we have our discussions back and forth of who we think should, if the Big 12 were to expand, bring in, who, who's it worth? I know it's more than just a name. They have to look at money, bringing in different TV markets, but um, Big 12 is to expand. Um, I know we've all heard of the, the Arizonas, the Arizona States, the, the Colorados, the Utahs coming in, but is there anyone else that you guys would rather see join or um, do you potentially see anyone leaving to go to another conference? I mean, rather see join. Sure, there's a lot of teams I'd love to to come play with us, right? But I think the realistic options are kind of where you're at. I think you, you mentioned them right there, right? Arizona, Arizona State, uh, Colorado. I don't think you're going to see the the Northern California teams, the Stanford's, the Cal's. I think there's too much just politically that doesn't align them to the, to the Big Twelve, and I don't think the presidents of those schools, whatever, like that, makes sense. So I think you're looking at that crop of schools. I wouldn't look. I, I would be okay with. I know there's a stigma, right? Because it's the group of five. But if you throw a Boise State, you throw a San Diego. State. I think those are really interesting up and coming programs, programs that you can build rivalries with. I, I know they don't have the cachet of an of an Arizona, but they were dreadful and they've been dreadful for a long time. I mean, Kevin Sumlin, Rich Rodriguez does not have not done that program any favor. So, you know, I, I'd be of the opinion, give me an up and coming San Diego State, building a new stadium, uh, you know, making some inroads. Boise, we have already some some history with them, uh, playing them last year, playing them next year. So I'd be okay with schools like that. Now, in, in my dream scenario, right? Give me Florida, give me Miami, give me Florida State, give me all those schools. Right. But I don't think that's realistically going to happen. So I'm also curious to see how long this is going to take. I think you'll see a quiet right now. I think there'll be a lot of posturing behind the scenes as this TV money sorts itself out as ESPN now finds itself not sitting in the in the Big Ten chair anymore as they've given up those negotiations. 
where do they turn their dollars? You know, what strings do they kind of pull at this point? So I'm curious to see sort of where this goes. My suspicion is we'll hear it kind of quiet down, let football kind of take its uh, take its course here. But just like quickly, we all of a sudden we heard of Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. There's probably murmurs that are going to continue to, to rumble under, uh, under, under waves. But I'd be cool taking a chance in a San Diego or Boise. I think that'd be interesting, you know, get those you know schools in there, throw, throw Colorado, uh, throw Utah. And, and I, I think you've got a great conference at that point. Right now, I think it's a race to see who's going to be the number three conference, right? Everybody's clear that SEC is the best conference. The Big Ten is right up there with them. Who's going to be that third one? Is it going to be the Big 12? Is it going to be the ACC? Is it the Pac-12 still trying to stay alive? So if we can kill the Pac-12 by taking Oregon and Washington – then that, that'd be nice, you know, and then uh, the ACC is eventually going to get broken up. I know they have their grant of rights for the next few years, but eventually I think Clemson's out of there. I think uh, Miami and Florida state are out of there. Once that happens, if, if you grab teams, maybe like a Virginia tech, um, you know, an NC state, things like that, big state schools and big States like that. I think the big 12 can stay alive for a long time. So as long as we're stuck in the, well, I want to say stuck, as long as we're going to be in the big 12, if we're not going to the SEC or the big 10, you got to start adding some of these other bigger schools. I'm cool with the going from coast to coast. You know, give me a game at 12 o'clock all the way through 1030 at night and, and games that matter to me, conference games. That, I think that could be a fun conference. We're now stuck in the Big 12, Mike. We were stuck in the American. We were stuck in the MAC. We were, is, that, is that where we are now? No. Uh, I, I'd love to kill off the Pac-12. Pac-10, what is it now? Is it down? <laughs> I guess it's the Pac-10 now, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to kill that off because as long as they're kind of both there, they're both going after one another and who strikes first. And and you see now with the, uh, the, the the two leagues, I'm not talking the Big Ten and the SEC, I'm talking about ESPN and Fox. Those are the those are the two big players now. Who, who do they want more? What are those metrics that they're studying? What are those ratings? I do think that one advantage that the uh, – that the pack has is those late games. They like that programming late at night. So to that BYU does give the, uh, the big 12 an advantage. I want to see the big 12 remain aggressive. If they can't steal some of those teams, maybe they just continue to, maybe it's a Boise, maybe SMU, you see the commitment, uh, maybe to excess SMU seems maybe not to have learned the lessons that derailed its program in the eighties when, uh, when they sloshed around with a lot of money flowing, but, uh, and they're doing it again. Um, in Memphis, you know what they bring from a, a basketball standpoint, uh, notably. So I want to see the Big 12 remain aggressive, but most notably um, put a, a death blow to the Pac-10. Be nice to see. And I, I think um, just having been little brother in the state of Florida, everyone always saying, oh, you don't play in a power conference, like finally being in the Big 12, just just from a, a standpoint of us being in school, watching people choose to go to UCF because it's actually a brand now. And, and watching it evolve has been pretty interesting considering when when we both started watching UCF football, we were in the Mac and just seeing it over the last 20 couple of years, it's it's definitely been been a fast change and um, who knows what the next 20 years will be. But uh, with that being said, usually towards the end of our shows, we take it a little, little step back and just kind of look at stuff, not in as, as an as serious way, but our, we got the right uh, guess. <laughs> our, uh, our hot takes for this year. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw mine out there. Justin's going to think I'm crazy, but here it does. But um, JRP, uh, first team, all AAC quarterback this year. Whoa. <laughs> it's a hot take for a reason. <laughs> that is the hottest. Can we top that? I don't even know. <laughs> that is the first I'm hearing that. And oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> a guy that might not get the job in a week. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the hot take is one of my favorite parts of the season. You know, we throw out a couple last year. Um, my favorite from last year was that we would make a, a, a field goal over 45 yards and that did not happen. Yeah. yeah don't, was, don't go out on a limb. I was going to yeah, yeah, yeah. throw it on my hot takes this year. And then I, I, saw I care about you guys. Don't do that. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I guess, I'm going with uh, – I know we talked about Justin Hodges a little bit, but I think he's going to be, um, you know, a real leader on the defense this year, and I think he, he has a chance to lead the team in uh, tackles this year. I think he does. So It's a hot take. It is a hot take. I love the kid. So It's a little more rational. <laughs> it's a little more rational than first team home. <laughs> yeah, so many options for hot take. I, I, don't, I don't know if this qualifies as a hot take, but he, here's, here's my prediction – I think you see Devad Wilson move to the bench at some point in time during this season. I think there's so much talent in that secondary. I think he he had his moments last year where he struggled a little bit. I know he's a big name. He's you know he's he's a senior guy coming from Georgia transfer. But we've mentioned so many names in in the secondary. You know, Quadric Bullard was mentioned. You just mentioned Justin Hodges. Obviously, we know we have Devonte Brown, Corey Thornton, both first team All AAC on that side. Nikai Martinez, a name we mentioned. Uh, we're not even talking about you know uh, Kobe Perry and, and Jarvis Ware who. Uh, who, who are both coming essentially new Jarvis did not play last year. I think there's going to be an odd man out in that secondary. And I think as a, as a, as a fan base, you would assume it's not divide Wilson. You would assume that, uh, that he's got a spot locked up, but I think he had some moments last year where, you know, I don't want to say he gave up, but that SMU game comes to mind. There were a couple of times he had yep. tackle opportunities. He did not, he did not close in on. I know he switched around positions this off season. They're kind of moving him everywhere. I think he becomes odd man out in that secondary. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I have been uh, very tough on Devon Wilson, especially over the last season. I think I just expected so much from him um, as he transferred in. So I'm going to throw one out there, and I hope I'm dead wrong about this oh, because it kind of it depends. <laughs> it's basically based on Bowser not being healthy, which he has not stayed healthy at all in his career. Go back to his time in Northwestern. He wasn't healthy at all last year. So if that's the case again this year, my hot take is, the guy that's going to be the running back, the bell cow running back, is a freshman, Jordan McDonald. And it's because he's a big guy. You know, I, I, he's kind of got the same style as a Bowser. I, I like what Johnny Richardson has done. I, I like the speedsters. You know, you go back to the days of AK and Otis, those guys. Those were fun. But I, I like the big bruisers. And I think that's what you need to, to win these close games like we did against Florida. You need that four-minute offense. You need to put teams away in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter of that Gasparilla Bowl, Florida had no chance of stopping us just because we were just running right down their throats four yards at a time. That's demoralizing to teams. So I, I take Justin McDonald to be that guy if Bowser can't stay healthy. And I hope I'm dead wrong because I love Bowser and I hope he has an incredible season goes on to the NFL. But take that. If something goes wrong with Bowser, the guy that's going to have the year at running back, Jordan McDonald. The Mike, Isaiah Bowser's doing yoga now. He's good. <laughs> okay. yeah. He's all good. Right. That can help. <laughs> that, 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 that helps. The flexibility helps. It yeah. matters. All right. I'll throw three out there. Wow. <laughs> you're not going to see much from Devontae Brown because nobody's thrown toward him. And you're going to okay. see the last of them because he'll go to the NFL next year. That's uh, that's one. I'm uh, thinking that Kamori Gamble is a bad man and he is going to be very difficult uh, to, to cover. Uh, I know the Suns, uh, Adam, shameless plug. You've got the Sunny yes. Awards. Vote now. Me too. Uh, uh, check out the Twitter account at Suns UCF. Yes, Sunny Awards. We have uh, tight end over unders. Is that what you're getting at, Trace? I am going over 
Okay. Over on that. 27 and a half combined catches from the tight end position this year. Last year we had 25 uh, <laughs> and, uh, and that, that hit the under on that one. So 27 and a half this year. Over that. on that one. Kamori okay. Gamble. And I think it's going to be a one-two punch. So I don't think it's going to mean that we won't see uh, Alec Holler. I think they're going to utilize both of them. And trying to feed all of these guys is going to be interesting. And then the third, not player-related, I think Nugget gets relegated. I don't think we see much <laughs> Nugget. Okay? It's too many mascots. Uh, I think Nugget, uh, Nugget, big ego, very temperamental, you difficult to maintain. The live show on Thursday, and I didn't Nugget. understand the hate. I love Nugget. <laughs> relegated. <laughs> wow. Did um, we see Nugget last year? Was was I think not much. Hey, we not saw it like much. briefly. Yeah. Briefly, right? Right? I don't want but to it was nugget. It was fake nugget though. It was like it was nugget 2.0. Nugget. Yeah, it wasn't the real nugget. Uh, rumors <laughs> about nugget, so uh, <laughs> I think yeah, nugget gets relegated. Thank you. Okay. Fair well, enough. um, moving on to our, our, our last two little quick things here. Um, always overanalyzing if uh, you've had a chance to look at the the coach's poll that came out here this week mike loves it i, I can tell you <laughs> where fan. who finished He's been 31st, for weeks, just yes. ahead of ucf in 30 seconds. <laughs> um one team in the top 10 that has the potential to finish unranked i say I, i've been sitting here and as as we've been sitting here just talking I, i've changed my answer three times i'm okay. going to go clemson clemson really yeah. see i think they stay ranked just because of their name uh all right. I don't think the quarterback plan proves this year. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm going with Notre Dame. Notre Dame always loves. That's always a safe bet. Yeah, Notre Dame always loves to get the top ten at the beginning of the season. They got a new coach this year. Not to say that they're not going to be good, but I and uh, just their quarterback play isn't strong enough. I think that Notre Dame is the safest bet out of the top ten in the coaches' poll, at least to uh, you know have a couple losses, especially Ohio State to open the season. I think that's a definite loss. So um, look for them to be unranked at the end of the season. Yeah, unranked is a tough thing to to predict, right? Because someone could sneak back into 24, you know, after a bowl and who knows, right? So I'll give you two teams. I'm going to pull a trace here and answer multiple times here. Uh, (laughs) I'll give you two teams that kind of stuck out to me. One, Texas A&M. Uh, I, th- I know they're bringing in a good recruiting class, but do they have the talent now? Who's their quarterback? I mean, that was a huge opportunity for them last year. Does anyone know who that is this year? Are they going to be able to put it together? Jimbo always seems to find a way to shoot himself in the foot in the end. Uh, so I'm going to go Texas A&M. And here's my, my super other hot take. I'm not saying I'm rooting for this, but I'm not saying I'm not. Oklahoma ranked ninth. <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing them unranked at the end of the year. <laughs> wonder why that is. <laughs> just start out there. I wouldn't mind seeing them unranked. They have a little unrest right now in the coaching staff. You know, some stuff going on behind the scenes there. We'll see what shakes out there. Wouldn't mind seeing Oklahoma take a couple of L's on their way out of the Big 12, by the way. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I think that's some nice poetic justice. Guys, I'm going to be honest. I don't even know who's in the top 10. Shocked. I'm shocked. <laughs> let me, let me read it off. Say Oklahoma. <laughs> I'll read it off to you. We got in uh, so 1 to 10. We got Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan, Texas A&M, Utah, Oklahoma, and Baylor wrapping out the top 10. All right, well, Oklahoma and Baylor, I mean, one of them is going to knock each other out of there at some point. Uh, I hope, like Adam, hopefully it's Oklahoma. We got to root for the Big 12 schools that are going to be there while we're there. Um, all these other schools, you know, they, they're built on reputation. Let, let me, I'll go with Michigan. You know, they had a big year last year. Uh, Harbaugh hasn't proven that he can beat Ohio State consistently. He beat them for the first time last year. I, I see them coming out with a couple of losses this year and maybe and finishing not right. Breaking news. I agree with Mike. Michigan. <laughs> wow. 
Very good. Fair enough. It's happening too much. It never happens. <laughs> What's going on around here? It happens on dudes on the mall, Mike. <laughs> Not on the sons of UCF. No agreement there. Uh, last thing, we're big foodies. We're running a thing on our Twitter right now. Um, favorite stadium foods. I will stand on the hill till I die for the chicken Caesar app and the Buffalo chicken titter burger. Now, which one do you prefer? So between the two of them, I mean, I have to go with the Buffalo tender burger. I got that for the first time last season um, when I was sitting with my dad in the club and it just, I, I don't know if I was just ridiculously hungry, but it was one of the best things I've ever had. And I, I, I pulled a mic a little bit and I was rooting for hot dogs over the chicken Caesar <laughs> wrap. I really was. I said, mm. those $2 student dogs have saved my life more <laughs> times than I can count. So I felt like they just deserved my vote in a sense. So, so what do you guys think? Top. So I've got uh, my answer is dependent upon my situation. So um, I don't know if this is a humble brag or not, but Mike and I uh, typically hang out in the cabana. And so we go in that topper, that top level with the, the little overhang, those little shelf right there in front of us. If you have that spot, eating is easy. If I have to cram myself into my seat, like four rows in seven people down and my elbows are tucked in, that's, that's a challenge. If I'm up in that top spot, in the cabana, give me the chicken nachos. I like a nice, good barbecue chicken nacho is good. It gets a little messy. You need some napkins there, but it's a good excuse to down three, four, seven beers while you're having those nachos. So if I have my, my table in front of me, give me uh, give me some of those chicken nachos. You know, I talk a lot about the hot dogs, but when you I do. myself, <laughs> you, do. Really, you do, I find myself, especially before a game, I get into the stadium a little early. I get myself a pulled pork sandwich and that kind of soaks up all that beer that I was drinking during the tailgate. It kind of carries me over to halftime. I like the hot dogs second half. You know, it's kind of you're, you're already into the game. It doesn't take you long to get them if they have them at the top. Yeah. You know, it's something that you don't have to wait long. for. Come on, for Jimmy Skiles. So, <laughs> but let's face it. You don't go to stadiums to eat gourmet food, right? You right. definitely don't get that at, at our stadium. So a hot dog is the standard. I'll be happy if they put that at the top of the cabana just to make things easier for me. But uh, I think you got to go hot dog just because it's proven to be the standard food at games for forever. You, know, you put it in any sport. I, I would. I, did I even offer that? I mean, I would go sauerkraut. <laughs> I would go mustard if I had the option. They usually and have if you really want things, it. But they don't work most of the time. <laughs> right. So <laughs> if you, if you, they do like I suggested, the, uh, the Home Depot cart at the top. Usually you can get some cooked onions or something on there. That'd be nice. But I'm <laughs> okay. not even expecting that. I like how you said prove it like you have research because you've done <laughs> some high level research on the hot dog industry at sporting events. I love that. I mean, hot dogs have been, think about it. You've been going, I've been going to baseball games with, since I was a little kid, go back 40 years. There's always been hot dogs, all this other stuff, you know, the chicken wraps and all this stuff. That, that's a that's and hot dogs longer than 40 years, years to, be, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, it it's gone back even longer. Exactly. It, okay. it is the standard food at ball games, hot dogs. Well, maybe we should ask the dudes that, I mean, they're, they're foodies. Is, is that the standard food on the dudes on the mall uh, uh, top five of, of stadium foods? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Hot dog is absolutely my number one go-to. I have always been, I'm a little bit in the minority here, but even not at a stadium at a barbecue or something like that, I'm taking a hot dog over a hamburger every time. I don't know why. Maybe I just grew up liking hot dogs more, but, and I know that's a cold take, but I'm just a big, big cold take. Hot hot takes, cold takes. We got them all. <laughs> No, I, I mean, burgers, I, <laughs> I'm burgers, burgers you got to cook them how you like them, right? You, you, I like right, my meat lot, or medium rare. Leeway with hot a dogs. burger. It can be overcooked. It can be undercooked. Yeah. You right. know what you're getting with a hot dog every single time. There you go. 
You almost can't mess it up. You tell me I'm wrong, Brandon. If, like, you, if you mess it up, then you did something really bad, or you just don't know how to cook because it, it's hard to mess up a hot dog. But I, I'll say it again: I'm still on the chicken Caesar wrap train, but I'm on it for the value play because it comes with the chips too. And there's not many things that you can get. Like you have to buy the fries separately. If you get the Caesar wrap and it's hot outside, you want something cold. I mean, it's just nice sometimes. <laughs> I, you heard me say this: the hot dogs, two dollars, right? You still have your street money. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah, but I, I, I have at least have an adult job now, so I have money at least. <laughs> Fair, enough. Fair enough. How about you, Trace? What do you got? Uh, my go-to is Mike's homemade potato salad that you can find at the Sons of UCF tailgate. Uh, he's already working on a little modification to the recipe. And uh, I, I bounce around uh, to tailgates uh, and I'm fortunate to sit up in the press box. So, you know, that humble right there, uh, you know, that the, 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 the cookies are always really good mm. up in the press box. But the potato salad that Mike makes, that's I'm looking forward to another season of it. So we're, we're looking forward to the start of this year. Um, we, we appreciate you guys taking the time to, to jump on this evening. Um, again, uh, Adam, Mike and Trace here from the Sons of UCF podcast at Sons of UCF on Twitter. Um, really appreciate it again, guys. And we're looking forward to a great year. Can I ask you a quick question before you sign off? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, what, what, what do you think the age cutoff is for uh, tailgating on uh, memory mall? And question two, um, how long are you going to continue with this dudes on the mall? It's going to be like a backstreet boys kind of thing. Yeah, in your fifties, are you going to be the dudes on memory mall? So funny you bring that up because yeah, obviously both of us are alumni now, so not students anymore, but up until this last season, we were still tailgating on the mall. But we I did believe this to the year we're trans- we did. Yeah. So we were up in section A of the mall this year, closer to the, or this last year, closer to the arena. But uh, this year we are probably going to be moving over to the softball lot. So I don't know. Wow. I guess the dudes so are breaking news. Breaking what's, news? The yeah. what's the age cutoff now? You're all I don't think there mall? is one. And I bet there will be multiple games that we make our way over to the mall. You know, I've still got my siblings at school. I've still got some friends there. So I'm sure the dudes on the mall will make an appearance on the mall occasionally, but um, I don't know. I don't, I, I think the name's got to stick, right? You know, well, it's working it, for the Backstreet Boys. They're, they're in their forties or fifties and they're still selling out concerts. So we can see you guys still talking UCF. There you go. Ha- having been out there for, man, what would this be? Year seven on the mall, I guess Something for like me. That, yeah. Um, I would say, honestly, though, when you look around, we're probably some of the younger people that are out there. Like there's there's tents around where you look and it's like, all right, like these people are uh, like either the same age as us. You, you can tell who, who's a, a freshman out there walking around and they don't really know where they're going or what they're doing based on what their setup is, what they brought with them and, and all that stuff. But um what about the other side? What about the uh, the the older? What's the, the veterans? Yes. The veterans. I, I would honestly say if you, you go up to about thirty, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's ended us. That's uh, no chance for making an appearance. I'll, I'll say my girlfriend's uh, older sister still tailgates on the mall, and she is thirty-two, I think. 30. Oh so, my god! What an embarrassment! These must be lost for the alumni building. My goodness. <laughs> it's convenient with the alumni center right next to it because you can they have free beer if you go in before so if you want to step in get some and better beer now they've got uh, and i got i got a notice in the mail today i still get mail by the way uh indoor and (laughs) nobody else on the uh, memory mall gets mail indoor and outdoor tailgate last year was just outdoor only uh indoor this year ac which is a huge benefit 
Yeah, That's maybe nice. we'll have to check that out then because we definitely didn't go last year. So. No, we, we were on the alumni one every time. And if we didn't get a spot because the reservation system is a nightmare to try and get spots, but we kind of figured it out how to make sure we get one each time. Um, we would just use people who were still students to reserve spots. So it's it's not that hard to get a spot yeah. out there. It's well, a- if you're not embarrassed by any of us or all of us, but maybe invite oh, yeah. us. Out yeah, to absolutely. Yeah. I was just directions. About, yeah. I was just where we're coming from. We'll guys, need to yeah. map. And- where are you guys yeah. normally tailgating at? I, I usually stop at the alumni center. I do the alumni yeah. center for yeah. a couple hours before the game. And then I go to burger U usually for about an hour, right before kickoff and get the last couple of beers there. I, I used to tailgate all the way on the opposite side, opposite side of campus, kind of, uh, I think by like the, uh, arts and crafts, or not arts and crafts. What's it called? Arts and crafts. <laughs> <laughs> it's Michael's. Michael's. Uh, he's out in the that building at a craft store. Good Lord. Old, when did you go to UCF? <laughs> <laughs> It's the arts and something building, whatever that is. Um, I, I used to tailgate all the way when the stadium first opened. I never actually tailgated on Memory Mall, believe it or not. When the stadium opened in 2007, I had already graduated five years before that. I was already probably mm-hmm. older than what you guys are now. So um, I, I passed by it all the time. I, I like doing that walk through campus and getting the feel of the whole thing. But uh, the one thing I never understood about the mall is you got to drag all your stuff there. You set it up, and you're I- hanging out, you're getting drunk. Then what do you got? You got to drag it all the way back to where your dorms or to your car. I just never understood that process. I, I like to just go from there and just keep going closer to the stadium as I go. Trying to corral all the, the uh, all the college kids at your tailgate who have probably had one too many beers to pick up the tent and everything and take it back to Garage H is a uh, is a feat to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> After doing it a couple times, you get someone who's just going to yell at everyone and say, "You take this, you take this," and we're going to go to the elevator. And if you want to. <laughs> Um, come hang out with us again next time. Basically, you got to help out clean up because we brought it all. You're going to help us bring it back. So there's definitely a system to it, but it's uh, you, you have to plan ahead of time. Like if you want to get into the stadium, we're talking about hour and 45 minutes before you be like, all right, guys, we're wrapping it up. Like, let's let's start moving everything because it, it, it takes a while. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely have to change that, Mike, this year and uh, get you out on the mall with us at least once. Yeah, I'm down. I can still do keg stands, guys. Don't, don't worry. Just I'm in my 40s, it, yeah. I can still put them back. Don't worry. I, I, I'll blend in well. Out of all the rules that they enforce on the mall, which is basically none of them, kegs is the only one that they do enforce. You don't have to have it. Just a, maybe a shotgun <laughs> relay or something. Funnel time, Mike. Funnel time, buddy. Funnel time. There you go. <laughs> yeah awesome say so, but no we, we do appreciate it guys uh we're looking forward to the uh the start of the season here again um at sons of ucf on twitter we uh, appreciate you guys joining us again this evening and uh go knights charge on charge on thanks dudes later dudes All right. And again, that was Sons of UCF at Sons of UCF on Twitter. And uh, yeah, it was a great time talking to them. You know, we really enjoyed our conversation, got uh, got some great insights about the season coming up and, and just had an overall good time with them. So uh, thanks again to Trace, Mike and Adam. I'm excited for some football. I am too. Now, the week zero schedules pure crap. And say it nicely. <laughs> Putting it nicely. <laughs> Putting it nicely. But football is football, right? Respectfully, it's really bad. Um, but football is football. We've got week zero with some games coming up. We're going to have one more episode before our uh, normal pre, like preseason week zero, week one episode. We'll have another preseason episode where we kind of go back to our normal stuff. Um, have some more things from last year that we'll carry over. 
I am going to finish above 500 in my picks this year. Like, hot take. First hot wow, take of the season. <laughs> that might be a hotter take than my JRP uh, first team all at all conference. Be, be. <laughs> but I will finish above 500. I'm going to put in the hours and time. I'm going to find a new algorithm that works. And we're, we're going to do it. And we're going to have a we're great time do doing it. it. We're going to do but it. All, all, all honesty, thank you again to, to Sons of UCF for doing that with us. Looking forward to this season. Um, any any parting words before we, we get going for the year here? I mean, go Knights charge on, right? Straight up. Go Knights charge on. Charge on.